guys, and welcome to The Wedge, your podcast with 20s and 30s at Mariners. We are your co-hosts. I'm Lauren. I'm Ellie. And the name The Wedge is something that we came up with, um, I don't know, a few months ago. But really what we were thinking about with naming the podcast The Wedge is 20s and 30s is this unique stage of life where we're not adolescents, we're not college age, we're not even really young adults anymore some of us maybe still identify that way but we're also not um, true adults maybe we are but we just found ourselves as 20s and 30s we're kind of in this unique stage of life that is in between we're wedged between these two places so that's our name Um, you'll probably hear it tossed around a little bit but we wanted to give a little bit of a background since this is our first ever episode super excited to be here um, Ellie, what can we expect from this time in this space, recording podcasts, um, in addition to Friday nights that are happening? So Friday nights are a great opportunity for us to dive deeper into topics that are pressing in 20s and 30s. And this podcast allows us to supplement those nights with follow-up questions. So re-interviewing the speakers that come and chat with us on Fridays and diving deeper into the topic. So what lingering questions do you have? We want to see you guys writing in, whether to our Instagram platform or to Mighty Networks. Um, We want to dive deeper in community and have a better understanding of our faith. Absolutely. So uh, this month we talked with Jared. We didn't actually post um, anything about asking questions, but you guys can keep your eyes peeled on those uh, platforms, the Instagram and the Mighty Networks app. If you're not plugged in to either of those, you don't follow us on Instagram, then make sure that you do uh, at Mariners 20s, 30s, 20s, 30s. Just want (laughs) to clarify that. But that being said, um, we'd like to uh, Jared to introduce himself. So he was a speaker. Um, la- was that last week? <laughs> that was. Gosh, it already feels. Yeah, two weeks ago. Now. Two weeks two ago. ago. Okay. Yeah, Jared. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and then if you wouldn't mind just recapping the night for those of us who couldn't be there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to spend some time with you guys and and just to continue this conversation as a way for us to continue to equip and resource and be with our great 20s and 30s ministry, um, helping us work through various topics and and ensure that we're not just getting a singular message and assuming that that's going to change and transform our lives. But instead, we know that there's got to be a continued conversation in order for this to become integrated into all that we do. And so at the first 20s, 30s night, it was a real privilege for um, me to be there. This is the second one, but my first one. And it was fun to be able to talk about family of origin. And I took a little bit of a different approach to it. Um, it's a real part. It's a real deep part of my story. Just having pain from my own childhood and upbringing, and then really, what does that look like as I consider my own faith? Right. We looked a little bit at um, Matthew chapter twelve and Luke five. This contrasting picture of um, Jesus's own mother and brother coming to find him while he's doing ministry, and him kind of raising this question: Who is my mother, and who are my brothers? Right. And it's this stark contrast between the family that he grew up with and the new family that he has in the kingdom of God. And what I love about what Jesus does there is he does not dismiss his mother and his brothers. Like for, for all accounts, for what we know, he had a great relationship with his family. But he's making a really important point that the most important family we have is not biological, but it's spiritual. Mm. And that was a huge turning point for me in my own faith and understanding in God because my biological family was a struggle for me. 
I had great grandparents. I had a great mother, but my father figure, I had three different dads that kind of revolved through my life from uh, age two to age 30. Um, dads were sort of this revolving door <laughs> in, my, in my life. And so my family of origin caused a lot of problems when I became a Christian at the age of 18 and um, everyone prayed to God the Father, and I was just not really willing to do that. So we contrasted that idea with Luke chapter 5 when we looked at who Jesus called to be his disciples. He took these young men who were not the smartest, the brightest. They were not the most educated. They weren't the ones that would be a natural selection from a rabbi to carry on their message. In fact, he chose really ordinary people, people who were, um, and we looked at the story of Peter, who was working in his sort of father's business. Mm -hmm. And you get this picture of Jesus coming along and choosing the wrong guy. Peter knows he's the wrong guy for the job, but he immediately drops his nets. He walks away from his family to follow Jesus. Now, we don't know what his relationship was like with his father, but what we see is his spiritual connection to Jesus was greater than his biological connection to his family. So that right there for me is an important undertone to all of our lives. Whether we have healthy relationships with our family or unhealthy relationships, what matters most is the spiritual family that God has invited us into. We are adopted sons and daughters into the family of the king. Mm. And that means that we can have really great relationships with our earthly families, that's fine. But it also means if you don't, there is something else that we can we can consider in our life. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. And I know Ellie and I both, after we listened to you speak, we were both really encouraged by hearing about this message with family. Um, we, we wrote some questions that we just would like for you to answer. And one note, listeners, um, for those of you who would like specific questions to be answered in the future, we'll be using our Mighty Networks and our Instagram as platforms for people to send in questions. But just to be clear, these are questions that Ellie and I and Dallas kind of all came up with for Jared. So um, one of those being you mentioned biological family, spiritual family, um, relationships with both, which one Jesus considered to be maybe more at the front of his, um, I guess, importance or focus. Um, what would you say for anybody who's listening or to anyone who went last two weeks ago, two Fridays ago, what would you say to them about having and maintaining healthy boundaries with biological family? And these could be boundaries that are set with either family members that you're on good terms with or bad terms with. Right. I mean, boundaries are important. Boundaries are the basis of what we're essentially saying we're going to allow in our lives. Um, I think that setting up healthy boundaries is an important conversation and something that we're not always going to get right the first time. And so we have to try and attempt and then learn and grow as we go. So for me, when I was um, kind of considering what this would look like for me with both my mother and these various father figures I had, right, what was that going to look like? Well, I had a depth of relationship with my mother and a very strained, like abandonment problem with my father's. So uh, my boundaries are going to look different from the two of those. Right. Boundaries with my mom meant I want to continue a relationship, but I don't want it to become this codependent relationship where my mom replaced her husband with me, which mm. sounds super weird, but like it's really common. A wow. single mother starts to treat their only son in a weird relationship, right? Where there's almost too close 
which causes problems when then that son tries to get married, right? So there had to be a level of me remaining my mother's son and my mother remaining my mother. That was a really important um, distinction that we had to make. The boundary that I had with my biological fathers was um, really no contact, right? Mm -hmm. I needed to focus on my own self, which sounds super cliche, but the reality was I had no idea how to um, not only be a man, but how to be a a follower of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And those were not the guys that I wanted to influence either one of those things. Right. So the boundary for me was, number one, um, I'm not going to have contact with those guys until I feel healthy enough to not get wrapped up and project and allow them to influence the spiritual growth and maturity that I was trying to develop for myself. So, you know, that meant years of no contact. And quite frankly, there's only been little contact since. I do not feel like I am responsible for my father figures. I'm not responsible for their boundaries and their growth and their whatever. That's not, that's not my thing. I can only manage myself. And so I choose to manage myself in such a way that says, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna allow myself to um, go down to whatever level they're on, but instead say, this is where I'm at, this is how I'm growing, how I'm maturing, and if you wanna engage in relationship, it's gonna be on kind of those, those terms, right? One other thing I'd add to that is a, an element of compassion and understanding. Mm-hmm. A huge breakthrough happened um, probably later on in my life when I started to realize that um, the product that I was feeling about my own life, my parents were subject to that as well. Meaning, um, my dad is a product of his parents who are a product of their parents, right? And so you start to develop this compassionate understanding when you go, man, he didn't have perfect parents either. And in fact, when I started to ask different questions about his own childhood and his relationship with his dad, things started to make more sense. Doesn't make it right, doesn't justify or, you know, validate anything necessarily but it does allow me to go okay i can see from his perspective gives you a better understanding it does yeah and it just allows me to have that empathetic understanding of where my father came from and it's it's okay yeah i just want a quick comment i like what you said about not picking up what is not yours to carry here you just said like each of these dads that came through your life had their own sets of things they were carrying, their own stories, burdens, weight of just what they had dealt with as growing up and that you didn't feel the responsibility to carry those things or to take them on in order to either have a healthy relationship with them or find a father figure Mm -hmm. in them, something along those lines. So I think that is really key to having healthy boundaries is understanding, hey, what's mine to own and what isn't mine to own? And figuring that out might even be a good first step to all of it, what you just said. Yeah, and we all have different experiences that we can often project onto others that we love. And I think it's so amazing to hear that the Lord offered a sense of protection over you where you weren't then, you know, walking into other situations where you projecting onto others what you had gone through. And I don't know if that then leads into um, hearing more about you being a dad and what's that look like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, being a dad, I think is, um, for those that were there at that night, really heard that that was a massive turning point for me. (laughs) It was probably when I think God really wanted to wake me up to this idea that I've refused to call him father. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a terrifying notion for me to call him father. Cause of course that, that lie that I held onto was if I called him father, he would be like my three earthly fathers that all left, right? right? That all right. abandoned. And so there was something that God wanted to redeem and restore within me 
by teaching me how to call him father. And of course, that all came to a head when my own son was born, right? I mean, I can't, I didn't get into a lot of detail on that on uh, at the night, but I mean, I, I mean, I would, um, I would be feeding my son in the middle of the night uh, and would just be weeping at, at the audacity that I'm holding this child and God would tr- lavish his love on me as his own son, right? Mm-hmm. As I'm holding mine, feeling mm-hmm. this love for my own father, that was so redemptive, so restorative, um, that I can look into my own son's eyes and go, I can't believe I'm I'm as loved by my father as I love this mm-hmm. this child who's done nothing. I mean, all he does is poop and sleep and cry, <laughs> and and I love him so yeah, so much. Yeah. And I've done far worse to my heavenly father, <laughs> and he loves me, right? That's that was that awakening. That was that starting point for me. Um, and you're right. Uh, the boundary thing was probably a, a bigger deal with my own relationship with my mother, and it and it truly was a, a thing for her too when my son was born. Hmm. It triggered her in the same way that it triggered me. And we worked we worked through that for many, many years. My son's 10 now, so we've been we've been doing this for a long time. But there's a piece of um, I'm growing, my mother's growing independently. We can invite, we can share, we can learn, we can go to church together, those kinds of things. But I'm still not responsible for my mother's growth. And she no longer, as an adult, she's no longer responsible for mine. We can be responsible to one another. We cannot be responsible for anyone else other than ourselves. That's a really good distinction to make. Just, yeah, thinking about your mom and growing up and now having a son. Um, and I don't know, do you have more than one kid, Jared? Yeah, I have a daughter as well who's okay. uh, six years old. Okay, great. Um, so one question we had here was, and you touched on it a little bit, but specifically, how have you seen God restore your faith in being a good father even though you didn't have that example growing up, what did that look like for you? And you did talk to us a little bit about holding your son and how this maybe was an opportunity for you, or you saw it as an opportunity to break, you know, patterns that you had seen or that you had experienced growing up. What did the Lord do to kind of bring you, you know, now 10 years along and being a dad? What was that journey like for you? Well, when you look at Jesus, and you see that Jesus, again, for, for all we know, had a good relationship with his family, but he turned his attention to his spiritual family, right? He, he turned his attention to figuring out how on earth are we going to build this kingdom of people who understand that we are adopted into something that we definitely don't deserve. And ultimately, he was going to die a death that we don't deserve either so that we could have a relationship with God. Like, that was the entire mission. And when I look at chapters like John chapter 5, where Jesus is being accused of uh, he has just performed a healing on the Sabbath. The Pharisees decide at that moment we're going to go after this guy uh, to, the, to the effect of we're going to kill him, right? That's how adamant they were committed to the law at the time. Um, they go to Jesus and he says, my father never stops working, and so I never stop working. And I just found that the connection between Jesus and his father was something that I wanted with my own heavenly father as well. Yeah. That if I could have that kind of connection with God the Father who wants a relationship with me, and I could slowly be restored in such a way that I could undo the pain, the trauma, um, the attachments I had to the word father because of the relationship that Jesus had with his father. I knew that that was going to reorient kind of everything in my life. And mm-hmm. so parallel journeys, I'm learning how to be a son and I'm learning how to be a dad. Yeah. I'm learning how to be a son of God and how to be a father to Asher, right? My own son. And so it was this beautiful thing of me looking into the eyes of my kid every day, consciously or subconsciously, who knows, 
not getting it perfect every single time, but going every day that I can go to bed at night feeling like, Hey, I did a pretty good dad thing today. Um, I felt like my father loved me, you know, not loved me more, but just was like, I love you. Right. And I could go to sleep at night feeling that. So there was something about, um, God releasing me of the lie and ultimately, um, breaking down that belief that I had that I was going to perpetuate this cycle of brokenness. Because the freedom I felt was every morning, God saying, you don't have to perpetuate what you don't want to perpetuate. Mm, you are good. free. You are loved. You are forgiven. Like that cycle has been broken. Don't perpetuate what you don't want to perpetuate. And so from that day forward, I don't have to look at my son with compassionate fear <laughs> that he's going to feel what I feel, that he's going to, you know what I mean? In fact, the other, I look at my kid and I go, you guys are so great. <laughs> like you got great parents <laughs> who love you and love each other. And it's all beautiful, you know? And someday I, I really do hope that that's going to be a story that he gets to tell on a different podcast 30 years from now where he goes, <laughs> I, can, I grew up in a great family where my parents still love me, you know? And, yeah. and here's what I'm learning about God because of that. That's the beautiful thing is no matter our earthly relationships, there's still something to be learned about God and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Unhealth or health, we get to grow in maturity and what it means to follow Jesus, becoming more like him. Absolutely. That's all about. Well, we'll see if they're still doing podcasts in 30 years. That's a heck. <laughs> I don't know. That's a really good point. Be it'll, be, it'll be like hologram <laughs> technology right. of some kind. We'll be able to project this conversation into a hologram. Oh, it's exciting and terrifying oh. at the same time. <laughs> terrifying all at the same time. Jared, I think our final thoughts for today and where we want to end with is just knowing what's your imparting words of advice or wisdom um, that you want to share with 20s and 30s. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the 20s, 30s generations. These are my favorite. I just love being... Um, in this stage of life where we're at the front end of what feels like a bunch of potential and opportunity. Um, sadly, there's also a lot of fear and concern and mental health and all this stuff that kind of comes up and creeps in. So there's this contrasting of things. Um, I, I surrounded myself with mentors at this age. So when I was in my 20s, I found mentors that were various ages ahead of me, some that were five years ahead and some that were 50 years ahead, right? And I love to just be able to spend time consistently. I have one mentor that I have breakfast with every month and we've been doing that for 10 years now. And this guy is, is somebody in my life who very young, he encouraged me to do really three things. He said, I want you to be on time, I want you to be professional, and I want you to be curious. And those phrases have really, I think, made a substantial difference in my life. So just briefly, be on, be on time. He's like, you are not the most important person in the room. Don't act like it. Walk in, be respectful, understand that like no one's waiting on you. Be, be on time, because that's a way that you can, you can appreciate other people. Be professional was his encouragement to say, get really good at something. Pick something and get good at it. And guess what? If you don't love it, you can get good at something different. But it was like, just pick something and get really good at whatever it is that you feel like God's calling you to do, whatever gift, skill, enthusiasm you have, get good at something. But the last one is where I think a lot of my fun in, as I've grown, I'm now, I'm turning 39 later this month. Oh Lord. And, um, <laughs> that's a scary thought. Cause that means it's only one year left before this huge transition in my life where I can't hang out with twenties, thirties anymore. You can't come back. You I'm <laughs> no longer, no longer welcome. Um, but it's be curious. And the be curious thing is, um, everybody has a story. There's something to be learned. There's always something to read. Like you have not reached the end of knowledge and wonder and learning 
there's more out there. And so I like that I get to stay hungry around my curiosity, things that just intrigue me, right? So be on time, be professional, be curious. That's what I would say to my 20s, 30s friends. That is awesome. What a great note to end on. I feel inspired right now. Same I want to like write those down. Yeah. I know. You should be writing them down. <laughs> Ellie brought her journal. I did not. <laughs> that, that might change next time. So, um, Well, Jared, thank you so much for coming on, just taking time out of your day and your weekend to sit down and continue the conversation with us. Um, I'm excited to listen back because I know that Friday just – I mean, there was so much in that. And so it's really cool to get to recap with you and just revisit this topic of family of origin. Yeah. Till next time. These are your hosts from The Wedge signing off. <laughs>